Well, good morning, Cedar Street, again. Wow, two in a row. Nobody's more surprised than I am, I'll tell you that. So actually, I'm not sure if or when I will ever get another opportunity to do this. So what I wanted to do this morning is share something that's just true to me and passionate, something that I just, just am in love with, and that's God's Word. And so I've titled the message this morning, Wielding Your Sword. And I want to start this morning by just uh, sharing a story. There was a, a 10-year-old girl who heard an unbelievable story about a very kind man who everyone loved. And this man would, would dress up in a red suit and had a beard, and he would go around and see if you're naughty or nice. And, and if you were nice, he would, he would give you presents. And this 10-year-old girl heard about this man, and she was enthralled by this man. Well, the problem is some of her friends told her that this man doesn't exist. He's just a figment of imagination, a fictional character, so forget all about it. Others told her, no, he's very true. He's very much alive and very real, so you better be good. And Virginia was a little bit confused. Well, one day she saw her daddy read the newspaper, and she asked her father, she said, Daddy, why do you read the newspaper every morning? And his daddy answered, well, it gives me information. It gives me news. And she said, well, how do you know that it's true? And the daddy said, well, it's the Daily Sun. If it's written in the Daily Sun, it has to be true. So that gave Virginia an idea. She was going to sit down and write a letter to the editor. And she started writing out this letter and explaining her story about what she's heard about this, this bearded man and she included in her letter, Dear Daily Son, is there really a Santa Claus? See, Virginia was confused. She was seeking the absolute truth. So my question to us today is where do we go to get the absolute truth? Do we find it in our newspapers? They're kind of biased. Maybe, maybe our cable news stations? <laughs> maybe. We've got the internet. Somebody told me once that if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. <laughs> Today's world, it's really, really easy to find opinions. They're everywhere. But it's pretty difficult to find the absolute truth. So folks, when I want the absolute truth, there's one place that I go that I know for sure, positive, guaranteed, I'll find it. And that's God's word. Amen. So if you would please turn with me today to God's Word. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 12 and 13. If you have a hymnal, it's going to be in page 1189. And if you would please stand. I mean, not a hymnal, a uh, Bible. A Bible. Thank you. I'm looking at Jim. Jim's laughing at me here. I'm thinking, why is he laughing at me? Okay, that's why. It's a Bible, okay? I, I know the difference, right? <laughs> So if you have a Bible, it's on page 1189, or turn to Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Let's pray. 
Oh, Lord, your word is the absolute truth. Father, your word is what we can go to to find answers, Father, to find comfort. Lord, we know that this is inspired by you and breathed into our lives. And Lord, I thank you. It's so passionate, love of mine, Father, to have this. I don't know where I'd be without it. And Lord, as I bring forth this message this morning, I pray that that would resonate with each and every person here. Convict us, Lord, this morning. We love and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So how is God's word living and active? Let's, let's just kind of unpack this for a minute, can we? Have you ever read something in your Bible? And if you, and if you read your Bible often, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You've read your Bible over and over, and one day, suddenly, you read the same passage for the, for the 99th time, and suddenly it hits you. It says, wow, right? That is, that is exactly where I'm at at this moment. And it just speaks to your heart. It's personalized. The words speak directly to you and to your circumstances. See, Psalm 33:11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. His word, his word is timeless, and his promises are everlasting. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. In other words, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, the word of God is going to find you and it's going to minister to you at just the right time. It's alive and active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, when you think about a two-edged sword, you, you know, you oftentimes you, you, you find them and you play with them and they're dull, right? You just kind of... No, these two-edged swords that here we talk about were so sharp, they were razor sharp on both sides. And they cut... So when you inserted it, it cut. And when you pulled back, it cut. It was that sharp. And what it does is it, it, it was so sharp that it would expose the core of the human being. It would expose your thoughts and your imaginations. And it would expose your heart. You ever hear someone say, he's just hard-hearted? Or you're never going to penetrate that heart. God's word can. God's word is so sharp, it can take the hardest heart and it can, it can insert and just dig in and expose that, that hard, calloused heart that's trying to resist God and he can just bring that around to do his will in your life. So what does it mean when a culture doesn't have scripture? Uh, I want to share a story with you. And I thought about this this morning because it's a tough story. It's, 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 it's not for the weak-hearted. But, but I want to share with you this morning what happens when a culture is without God's word. And, and I met a lady when I was in Papua New Guinea and I was in the village. And she had burns all over her back. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, I was in an argument with a man, and it got kind of heated. And he took water, boiling water, and he tried to throw it at me. 
And she said, I turned around because I didn't want to get burned in the front, and it burned her back. Well, this ended up going to what they call a tribal council. It didn't go to the typical law. When you're in a village and Papua New Guinea, things are different. I, I don't want to take time to explain it, but it's different. And it went to the, to the tribal council. And the tribal council found the man guilty. <laughs> but get this, he was guilty because the woman he threw the water at was not his wife. If it would have been his wife, it would have been okay. Folks, this is what happens when you don't have the absolute truth. This is what happens when you don't have scripture that you can go to and find out what God has to say about the way you're living or about the culture you're living in. But unfortunately, it's not just a third world problem. It's not. How about you? How about me? Are we letting culture dictate or are we letting God's word influence us in our daily decisions? Do you truly, truly believe in the absolute authority of God's word? And more so, are you living life according to that belief? If you are, you're in the minority. I want you to know that. Because a survey was recently taken among born-again evangelical Christians. And they found that 55%, over half of those surveyed, did not believe in an absolute truth. And I've got to confess, you know, sometimes I get really upset and frustrated with that. I really do. Because what it's taken us to is what we call a new normal. A new normal where we're living together is acceptable form of, of cohabitation. And that's just, that's just not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says a man shall leave his, his family, the two will become one flesh. Not putting a, a, a gender on a birth certificate because they want the child to make up their own mind? Is, that's the new normal? Not my, my Bible tells me right from the beginning, God created male and female. Psalm 139 says, God knit you together in your mother's womb. There's no question. Amen. Trying to define what a marriage is? I mean, really? I, you know, that's what happens when you have a culture that does not have the absolute truth in God's word. And is it any wonder that our culture is confused. But folks, it doesn't have to be. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And folks, it's essential. Hear this. It is critical that we all read this book live by this book, obey this book. It is the absolute truth. Amen. I was in North Carolina at the Billy Graham Museum not too long ago, and Franklin Graham had a quote, and, and, and a, well, not a quote, but a, a sign that, that read, if you read God's word, it will inform your mind. Okay, makes perfect sense, right? Take time, sit down, read the word, and you're going to get knowledge. That's great. That's a wonderful thing. I suggest you do it. Studying God's word will transform your heart. And that's better, right? You want to change your heart? Study God's word. 
obeying God's word will reform your will. And a will is, ex- is, is expressing a future tense. So if you want to change what you're thinking, if you want to change the outcome of your life, if you have some future out there that you ain't particularly happy about, then obey God's word, and your will will slowly begin to be changed. James 1.12 says, Hear God's word and obey it. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. It's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what you look like. That's how silly it is to have God's word and not obey what it says. Folks, do you want to change a world? Think about that. Do you want to change a world? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But give them God's word. Understanding comes from God's word. Knowledge comes from God's word. Wisdom comes from God's word. The absolute truth comes from God's word. And do you know that here in America, in English, we have over 500 versions of this? I mean, you think about it. You've got the NLTs, the ESVs, the NIVs, the King James, and every one of those, you've got the study Bible, you've got the application Bible, you got, the, you know, and then every one of those, you've got the men's Bible, and then the women's Bible, and then the children's Bible, and then the, te- you know, it go, the list goes at 500 different versions of the Bible. And the vast majority of Americans don't care. If they own a Bible, oftentimes it just sits on a shelf. Folks, having it on a shelf is the same as keeping it in the box. It's useless. Amen? Amen. Have you ever ever made a New Year's resolution and went out and bought yourself a weight machine? I have. (laughs) You know? And man, you get so excited about this thing. And man, I'm going to work out and I'm going to lose weight. You know? And and boy, everything is just going to work out so well. And then after a few weeks, maybe it begins to sit a little bit. And then after a few months, it gathers dust, right? And then what happens? You get in shape? No, you remain fat. (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. It just happens, right? That's the way it is with God's word, right? If it just sits there on a shelf, you know, it's useless, It's useless. You have to read it. You have to study it. You have to meditate on God's word. You have to apply its teachings to everyday life, or it's basically useless. You know, today, if you you pick up a a box of of, of peanuts, it has a warning label on it, right? It says, warning, contains nuts, which I could never figure that out, okay? You go to McDonald's, and you buy a cup of coffee, and it says, warning, content's hot, Right? Everything today has a warning label. This Bible should come with a warning label. It should say, caution, reading and obeying this book will change your life. Because it will. Let me tell you about about, uh, Minimus. Minimus was a man of Papua New Guinea who was a thug, who was a terrorist, who was a murderer, and a rapist. He was a horrible, horrible man. He would come into the village and people would hide. Minimus is here, Minimus is here, right? Well, well, one day the village was holding a revival and Minimus showed up. And imagine the fear that we're going through the people. Sitting there trying to worship and have this revival and Minimus shows up. Minimus heard God's word that night 
Two weeks later, he was baptized. Minimus was transformed into a new life. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed. You ever wonder what that really means? The word transformed is like a metamorphosis. Okay, that's literally what it means, metamorphosis. For those of you my age, you remember a guy by the name of David Banner who used to turn into the Incredible Hulk, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And that was the metamorphosis. It's like, it's like David turning into this green monster. Or it's like a criminal, like Minimus, who became a follower of Jesus Christ. Is the Bible transforming your heart? Is it reforming your will? Are you responding to life maybe a little differently now than you did before? Do you find the Bible a way to bring comfort in time of need? Is it using it to strengthen your marriage? Using it to teach your children? Folks, is it your morning wake-up call? Because God's word is the absolute truth. So be honest. Just really be honest with yourself. Is this book, is this Bible, sitting on the desk on the table and just waiting from one Sunday to the next? Or are you truly picking this thing up and using it? Because my Bible, when I pick it up, it becomes a sword God said it's living and active like a two-edged sword. Let me ask you a question. Do you guys have a favorite tool? You know, you men may have a favorite hammer or a favorite saw, or maybe, maybe there's a pocket knife. I just never leave home without it because, man, I'm lost without my pocket knife. Or maybe you ladies at home have some appliance or something in your kitchen that you just absolutely love and you can't get by without it. I want to tell you a story about a bush knife, okay? A bush knife is what we would call a machete, okay? Well, when we were in Papua New Guinea living there, they would become incredibly talented with their bush knife. It was a tool they could not live without, okay? And every man, and most women, would carry a bush knife. They were so talented, folks, they could take a nut in the palm of their hand, and they could take the bush knife in their other, and they could come down and just crack that nut. And if they missed, they'd lose their fingers. Okay? I mean, that's how talented these folks were with, with a knife. Okay? And, but you, you'd start out young. They would actually give a bush knife to a two-year-old. Once they begin to walk, they give them a bush knife. Now, it's not a sharp knife. It's dull. Okay? But they let the child begin to, to kind of, you know, play with a knife and get comfortable with a knife. And as they get older, they begin to hone it. Right? They begin to sharpen the knife. And then a child would begin to use it to chop wood and make a fire. You know, they would learn how to open up a coconut, which is for food, for survival. And eventually, it would become an incredibly valuable tool, one that they could not do without. Well, Michelle and I were in Papua New Guinea. We used that as an example because we told them that is exactly what your Bible should be. It should be such a valuable tool that you cannot live without it. So what do you do with your sword? Is it a valuable tool, or is it just something that you take to church on Sunday morning? Answer that question, folks. Where are you at? I'm going to tell you one more absolute truth this morning, and that comes from 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, Stay alert, 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Folks, we have an enemy, and he's called the devil, and he's real. And the devil is raging war. Families are in turmoil. Our marriages are being assaulted. Churches are being persecuted. The traditional Christian morals and values that we hold so dear are completely eroding away. And Satan's even trying to convince the world that we Christians are extreme and radical. But we've got the truth. We've got that sword, that absolute truth. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to what? To kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to kill our spirit, steal our joy, and destroy our ministries. But we have the absolute truth. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. James 4, 7 says, Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We understand Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We stand on 2 Corinthians 10.3. We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning. Folks, we need to understand that we are fighting a spiritual battle. And we need to put on the full armor of God. It's time. It's time to take the sword off your shelf. It's time to read it. It's time to meditate on it, to memorize it, and obey it, and use it as it was designed for, a weapon against strongholds. Folks, we are so blessed. We are so, most of us have so many Bibles in our home. We have Bibles on the computer. They're, they're in our cell phone. We have them everywhere. But there are so many people, and I could take you and show you those who would love to have one. Just one Bible they could call their own. They would do anything for a study Bible. They just don't have access to it. They, it's, it's just, you know, they're, they're, they have a yearning, just a yearning for God's Word in, in a language that they can understand so they too can apply it and put it in their lives. You know, I want to close this morning with some encouraging words. I told you that you want to save a world. Give them God's word. Let me tell you what's happening around the world right now as we speak. In Indonesia, I was in Indonesia not too many years ago, and I was listening to Al Jazeera television. Okay, and I had a translator speaking, and, and, and there was an imam on Al Jazeera television talking about this huge tragedy that's taking place in the country right now. And that tragedy is that the, the youth and young adults were flocking to Christ in record numbers and they didn't know how to stop it. This is what God's word is doing. You know, and in China, you heard about the, the Great Wall and we're penetrating the Great Wall. Do you realize that there are over 100 million Christians in China and more coming to Christ every day, hiding in underground churches? In northern India, we're partnering with our organization as we speak to bring God's word in northern uh, India, in Dehradun, that's going to reach 60 million people and give them God's word. 
In Africa, 10,000 people a day are calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. And you know what the fastest growing church in the world is? You know where that's at? Iran. Yeah, that blows your mind. Iran has a fa- Why? Because people are getting God's word. They're learning the truth. I wish you could see the joy, folks. I really do. When, when I've traveled to Papua New Guinea and I hand somebody a Bible for the very first time. And the tears. And they take that Bible and they just hold it to their chest. And they begin, they begin to weep. Because it means that much to them. And it's, to us, it's nothing. It sits on a shelf. I wish you could have been with me when I was in the Muslim village and I sat down with a group of teenagers and read and shared to them about the gospel story of Jesus Christ. And you think you did what to who? Yeah, that's right. I did. And they were receptive to it, and you should have saw the love on their face when they saw Christ shining through. It was just amazing. Just amazing. But what do all these people, all of them, have in common? They found the one strategy to beat the devil. They picked up their sword. That's really what it takes. So, folks, where do we go from here? I know what this sword can do. I've seen it. I've seen it save lost and dying souls. I've seen it bring families back together. I've seen it change a culture. I have seen this book extinguish the fiery arrows of the devil. So where do we go from here? That's the question. Do we want to transform a world? Do we want to change the world? How about we start with this country? Do we want to change our country? Or maybe we want to start in Metter. Do we want to change Metter? Folks, maybe we need to change Cedar Street. Or maybe, just maybe, we need to change our own life. It's time to pick up the sword. And if we stand together and we are courageous, we will be victorious. I promise you, here, at home, and around the world. And how do I know this? (laughs) Because God's word says so. And God's word is the absolute truth. Let's pray. Father, your word is so powerful. It's active and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, your word tells us that it is, it is, changes hearts, Father, that we use it for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And Lord, help us, Father, each and every one of us here to find a joy in opening up your word and turning into that sword that we can fight the enemy's Father, help us to use it just to grow closer to you. Father, help us to use it to change a culture. Father, help us to use it to grow closer to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you've given us through your word. And help us to apply that to our lives in a special way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.